Well, to the war in Ukraine now, the U.S. announced further sanctions against Russia today in retaliation for war crimes, including against Russian banks and Vladimir Putin's two adult daughters. President Biden also announced more weapons for Ukraine. Advanced drones, laser-guided rocket systems. Yesterday, I signed another package to send more Javelin missiles, those shoulder-mounted missiles that can take out tanks and armored vehicles. Well, Britain also announced new sanctions today. Canada is expected to announce new sanctions soon. This all comes as the UN General Assembly votes tomorrow on whether to suspend Russia from the UN's Human Rights Council. With more on tomorrow's vote, what can be done to try to hold Russia to account for its continued attacks on Ukrainian civilians? Joining me now is Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray. Thank you so much for being here tonight, Ambassador Ray. Um, we've seen condemnation for the last 72 hours of Russia's, atro- the atrocities committed in the suburbs of Kiev and elsewhere of Kiev. Uh, yet today we're seeing more shelling of residential neighborhoods in the east. The message doesn't seem to be being heard. What more can we do to pressure Russia to stop? Well, I think that's the question of the hour, because I think it's, it's obvious to everybody that uh, after five weeks um, and, and increasing evidence of, of atrocities, as, as, uh, as you've mentioned, uh, Russia hasn't changed its, its, uh, its approach, uh, except it's focusing a little bit more on the eastern part of the, of the country. But let's be clear, Russia is invading the east, they're invading the south, they're invading the north, and they're bombing and shelling Odessa in the west. So, I mean, they're, they're, the idea that somehow... This is easing up, or Russia is changing its its war aims, or whatever. I think it's uh, I think is overdone. I, I I don't think it's accurate, and I think the the most compelling problem is that I don't believe Russia accepts the notion that Ukraine is an independent nation. I think as an empire, they just have not accepted the borders and boundaries of uh, the countries on their on their own borders, and this is what I think is this is all about, and this is why. The, the aggression is so serious and obviously intensified by the inhumanity of it all. So I, I do think that Western countries and, and others are going to have to keep on uh, not only making sure that Ukraine has access to the weapons that it needs, uh, but that uh, in order to be able to defend itself as best it can, but I think there are going to have to be additional questions. I know that in Brussels today, the foreign ministers are meeting. I'm sure they're considering what further sanctions they can take, what further measures they can take. Um, I think the measures they've taken so far have had some effect uh, on the Russian economy and on the ability of the of the uh, Russians to uh, to carry on. But um, uh, to quote. From Shakespeare, we have scotched the snake, but we have not killed it. In other words, we've wounded Russia, but we have not we've not yet deterred them from doing what they're doing. I was speaking with a human rights um, expert in Kiev, uh, a Ukrainian human rights expert, this week, and a lot of them saw what was uncovered in Bucha, the, the you know the, the execution of civilians. We believe as sort of not that they didn't think that might happen, but it was a turning point for them that somehow this whole invasion took on a much, much darker tone. And we saw it too with some of the dehumanization and the language coming out of Russia over the last few days, including from the former president, Dmitry Medvedev. Uh, how alarming is, is that the language we're now seeing? Because that feels like it's changed. Well, I don't think the language has changed. I actually think that Putin, in his own way, used that language through the summer 
and indeed has, has used it for, for many years when he talks about how the Ukrainians and uh, the Russians are one people and, and, and then goes on to say that, you know, those who are expressing what he calls an extreme Western nationalism are, are remnants of the, the pro-Nazis who were left, be, you know, who were collaborating with the Germans in the, in the Second World War. And, and that, that, uh, that language is, is really uh, terrible because it's it, it's it reflects a thinking that is so inaccurate it be not that there weren't collaborators with the with the Nazis there were collaborators with the Nazis in Russia uh, but that nationalism Ukrainian nationalism isn't of itself an evil thing and I think he really believes that and I think Mevdevev believes it I think what Mevdevev is lending himself to is that line of argument and I think it's a very dangerous line of argument uh, I, I think it makes it harder and harder to imagine how you're going to have a serious, uh, stable, secure agreement with the Russians um, if that's their mindset. If that, and, and I've seen that on display here at the UN. Their ambassador talks that language. Uh, the foreign minister, Lavrov, talks that language all the time. It's, it's very dangerous um, because it reflects the thinking that is, that is potentially genocidal. And the lies... Ambassador Ray, the lying is what's always so, I, I mean, shocking is, a, is an extreme term, but the lying, even from people in positions of authority and power, the foreign minister, as you mentioned, your counterpart at the UN, um, it, it, it still boggles the mind. It does. Uh, I mean, it, it does, but it, it, you, you have to understand that this, this style of, of propaganda goes deep deep into into the history of the past what's interesting for me is as a part-time historian is this kind of approach to propaganda was something that the russians under in, in soviet times they 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 were real specialists in and disinformation and 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 creating plots and creating uh, just complete fiction and turning it into a fact and that's, of course, what George Orwell wrote about an animal farm in 1984. And that's really what, what we're seeing is the continuation of that Soviet-style thinking and acting uh, under Putin's leadership, which, which means that, and then it lends itself to an all-new kind of disinformation. Um, but we, we, I, think, I think the one thing that we know now is that we're onto it. <laughs> I mean, we know, we, know, we know what this beast is. And we can see it in action every every day. It doesn't make it any easier, but it does, I think, allow us to identify much more readily what's going on. This is a serious campaign of, of disinformation and lying that is intended to drive public opinion in a completely different direction. And it 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 is based on the premise that there are no facts, that facts can disappear overnight, people can disappear overnight, history can change. Don't forget the hero. The hero of uh, 1984, Winston Smith, worked in the worked in the uh, the Ministry of Truth. Um, I mean, that's that's the final irony, right? I mean, uh, he, his business was rewriting history, um, and so this is what these guys are up to, and that's what they do. You've spoken very eloquently about this over the last 42 days since this began. This latest invasion began. What has been the most frustrating part for you? as this has unfolded in front of us from the initial invasion to the shelling of Mariupol 
to the uncovering of, of the bodies in Bucha? I think the frustrating thing for me is that knowing what's happening, describing it doesn't mean that it's that that we're changing it. And I think that's the thing that's ultimately the most the most frustrating. Uh, we uh, because of the uh, the argument that Russia has the bomb and uh, and Putin is has his hand on the trigger. Uh, we 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 have to be uh, you know we can't do too much uh, on the military side. Um, I must confess that I, I think that's that's something that he was counting on. Uh, I don't think he was counting on the reaction on the sanctions. I don't think he was counting on the resilience of the Ukrainians. But uh, we do have to admit that the one central point that President Zelensky made yesterday, and that is that we that we, the member states of the United Nations, despite uh, clear breaches of the charter, despite absolutely crystal clear, uh, breaches of international law, we have not been able to stop aggression. And that, I think, is the most single frustrating thing. I'm speaking with Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray. We've been discussing the invasion of Ukraine and what we've seen over the last 72 hours or last uh, over the last few days, including evidence of war crimes, evidence of uh, civilians being killed, executed, more shelling today of residential areas in the east. Uh, Ambassador Ray, I mean, the founding principles of the United Nations to which we were party were all about trying to avoid the never again, trying to avoid these sorts of situations. And Russia continues to seem to make a mockery of these rules. Um, there are uh, there is a vote coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, what else can be done in terms of reform? Is there a way to remove, say, temporarily the veto sanction on the Security Council? Is that something we should be looking at now? <laughs> Well, the problem is the is the is the is what's written down. I mean, the problem is the rules are you have five permanent members. Um, the theory behind the five permanent members was that they together would effectively become the policemen of the world. Uh, and looking back on it now, and even at the time, there were a number of people who said this was incredibly naive. Because don't forget, 1945 was the end of the Second World War. 1945 was also the beginning of the Cold War. Because it was in 1945 that people began to fully come to grips with the fact that the good news was that we had defeated Hitler and that form of totalitarianism. The bad, the bad news is we, we did it the, by virtue of joining with another totalitarian state, uh, the Soviet Union. And they have proceeded to take advantage in every way of of the uh, system of governance which we gave ourselves in 1945. So yes, the, the Charter talks about ending the scourge of war. The Charter allows countries to defend themselves. The Charter allows for lots of things. But the Charter also gives a veto to uh, the Soviet Union and now the Russian Federation uh, as a permanent member of the UN. So any talk about throwing Russia out of the Security Council is would only happen if Russia agreed to leave the Security Council or or to abandon its veto, neither of which is going to happen. So we have to, the, the, true, the true nature of the dysfunctionality of the Security Council uh, is, is now exposed for all to see. Uh, there's no more, no more hiding it or covering it up or pretending it's not a real problem. Um, it's an absolutely critical problem. And that means we have to go around the Security Council to get to do the things we want to do. 
And it means that member states have to form coalitions of the willing in order to uh, maintain the charter. Um, and luckily, we have the means to do that. There's one article, Article 51, uh, which says that not only that member states have the right to defend themselves, but other nation states have the right to join together those nation states from aggression. And that's the basis upon which um, international action can be taken, as well, of course, as things like NATO and other regional organizations which have been created. But the UN itself, uh, through the Security Council, is, is basically out of the business of authorizing interventions when one of the <laughs> aggressors is a member of the security council is a permanent member of the security council that that isn't going to happen and um it has to happen through the general assembly it has to happen through coalitions of the willing it has to happen through uh regional organizations and that's where the that's where the capacity to intervene has to really uh take place there is a vote I know on Thursday uh, about Russia's uh, about at least suspending Russia from the Human Rights Council. Uh, how important is that vote? Do you think? Well, I think it's a step along the way. I think it's. I think I'm, we're certainly Canada certainly supporting it. Uh, we'll be outlining our reasons uh, tomorrow in the debate. Uh, to me, the the, the 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 principle is you you can't you can't conduct yourself in this way and then and then lay claim to being a. Uh, a member of the of the organization, which is uh, which is supposed to be upholding human rights. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and I I'm I'm hoping that two thirds of the members who are voting um, yeses and noes. Uh, I'm hoping that two thirds of those will vote in favor of the motion. And uh, we'll just you never know. I, I've been through enough elections to know that you don't talk about what's going to happen until it's happened. But uh, we're working hard to get the votes we need. 21 days ago, I was watching a speech you delivered in the United Nations before another vote by the General Assembly to condemn Russia's invasion. Uh, are you more or less optimistic now than you were 21, year, 21 days ago about how this may play out? Well, I mean, I'm struck by, by uh, the resilience of people, the resilience of the Ukrainian people, by, by the, the, the fact that we know what's going on, that there are no secrets here, uh, that the facts are being exposed, that more and more people are aware um, so that's all positive. I, I feel very positive about that. I, I am deeply troubled by uh, the the inability of so many people to understand fully the the nature of tyranny uh, and how it has to be resisted and how it has to be overcome uh, and occasionally how it has to be fought. Um, I think our our parents and grandparents knew this. I think they learned it hard from their experience. I think we've. Uh, it's a lesson we have to learn as well. You, you, the, ty tyrants are not going to give way voluntarily, uh, and and there's no question in my mind that the the the, the regime in Russia at the moment is a tyranny, uh, and it it is it, it 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 has to be resisted, and it has to be overcome. And I, I'm uh, as I say, I'm always astonished by how many people are saying, "Oh, you know, don't." Don't uh, those are war. You're talking like, uh, you know, you want to go to war. And I, nobody wants to go to war. Uh, but at the same time, nobody wants to get run over by a tyrant. And I think we have to understand that. Bob Ray, thank you so much for your time, as always. Good to talk to you. Take care now.